I'm excited to like take the trip with you because, like I said, I'm just a fan, so I listen to it through the lens of a fan of somebody who's been a fan for the Beatles forever. Because I'm not super experienced with this album, but I know I know of it. So my like Norwegian Wood is one of my favorite songs. Um, so I was pumped to do this album. Yeah, it. I think during I started doing some googling and shit when I was watching that um, Get Back documentary, yeah. and. I think it was helpful for me to just have like a jump off place because I think I texted you earlier, like what, where the fuck do you start? Yeah. You know, at a certain point you just feel like you missed the boat. And what, and when do you like, where do you start? You don't want to go all the way back to the beginning. You like, I don't know. I, I'm not going to go through the same Beatles experience. Everyone else did. I think. Right. I, need, I like, I need more mature Beatles, but not like Abbey road Beatles. Yeah, yeah, I think that this is a perfect album for that. We'll get into it, but yeah. yeah, this is a perfect album for like a jumping off point. Because I, I did it. I my first real Beatles experience was Sgt. Pepper, and really mm-hmm. it was through uh, Yellow Submarine. I didn't really listen to Beatles albums until I was high school, maybe. But I always loved the Beatles. Like it was always on in my house. So yeah, the first real Beatles album I listened to was Sgt. Pepper, and I was like, "Whoa, this fucking rocks!" So. Um, It'd be wild to like hear them in the beginning and just like live through the 60s, I guess. Like, that would have yeah. been fucking crazy. Yeah. Well, I don't think we would have liked them. No, they're too mainstream. Yeah. Well, I think they were too boy bandish. They were, they were basically in the in sync of their era mm-hmm. or probably more, more like the Maroon 5 of their era, like the, the girly band part of Maroon 5. It kind of reminds me of the main where like they started off super. Everyone has long hair, deep V's, cutesy, and then they just like kept plugging away and made cool music. Well, yeah, eventually they were just like, ah, we want to do other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, record label. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I wore this shirt specifically for you. It's old Burn Dog on the Racer. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you get that? Uh, Cincy Shirts made it. Like, like as soon as this meme like started popping off. Like they printed it the next day. I was like, I have to get Bern- Bernie Sanders on the racer. Fuck so. yeah. <laughs> now you can proudly wear Cincy shirts. Uh, I brought this upstairs to show you. I bought this for Zoe for Christmas. Oh, the multi-pass. Yes. That's the exact same one I had. Uh, I got it on Amazon for like seven bucks. It was the yeah, first Christmas pr- present I bought her. Yeah. It's probably the one that was in like the loot crates. People were trying to sell them or mm-hmm. whatever. Because I gave mine away. I'm pretty sure. Damn. Yeah. Alec actually might have it. Oh, really? Give it to him. All right. Hey, guys, and welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. This week, we are doing Rubber Soul by the Beatles from 1965. Yeah, and this is the start of Beatlemania January. That's right. No, <laughs> no, uh, like, uh, cool alliteration this month. We're just going straight for it. Yep. So let's get into it. Let's fucking get into it. <laughs> Do it. Yep. All right, guys, we're here. 
We're doing the Beatles' Rubber Soul from 1965. Uh, we're going to get into fun facts first, but Kev, I want to I want to talk about uh, each of our touchstones with the Beatles before we get into Beatlemania January because, um, like most things, we're very different. Mm-hmm. So I want to uh, hear yeah. where you're at first. Yeah, no, for me, um, I mean, you know, maybe throughout, if you've listened to the podcast about, you know, like, I love the Beatles. I've, I've, the Beatles are the first band I can remember ever listening to, like, in my life. Um, I just grew up with, with the Beatles. My parents loved the Beatles. My older brother loved the Beatles. I grew up watching Yellow Submarine. Um, they, it just seemed like I was always listening to Beatles somewhere. Um, but I never really started really listening to the Beatles until, like, high school. And so uh, I started with Sgt. Pepper. And so I just thought that's what the Beatles were. Like I knew they had their bubblegum stuff and I was like, oh, cool. But then I, I, but I really jumped in the deep end of the Beatles. And when they were really coming together as like a really cool, really experimental for the time band. And so that's kind of the frame I've always seen them in. So like when someone like you, like two years ago, where you're like, I, I, I hate you, like almost like hated the Beatles. Um, and I, and when people tell me that, it just, it's just so baffling to me because my experience with the Beatles is one of like one of the most like most influential bands in pop music of all time so it's weird for me to hear people say they hate the beatles because i'm like nah you just haven't listened to the right shit which is obviously a very pompous thing to say but i think but there's the pre- so much truth to that really yeah yeah there is I mean, with the beatles especially because they're they're so different like their first five albums are so different from their last five and rubber soul is like the perfect bridge album between young Beatles and grown up Beatles. Like there's still plenty of like boy bandish stuff on this album, like bubblegum pop. There's a lot of it on here, but it's, it's mostly weighted towards the front of the album, but towards the end, it start you start to hear some of that magical mystery tour, Sergeant Pepper, Abbey road, like white album stuff. And it's, uh, I think the album after this is revolver too, which was my favorite Beatles album for a long time. Um, so it's, it's really kind of the, the, the push and pull the tug back and forth between the two, eras of the Beatles in this album is really, really cool. Yeah. I, I hand up. I, I just never really got into the Beatles and I think I needed a push like this and watching that get back documentary because I didn't have that cool experience. You know, my dad was into like the, the eighties hair band and like new metal. So like, I never really got into the Beatles. I never had a reason to. And the songs I heard were like, I want to hold your hand. Hey Jude, all that was like, okay, these songs are f- are fine, but like, what's gonna get me into it deeper? And I liked Abbey Road. I thought a lot of it was fun, but all of it was like, okay, like I I don't know. And maybe it was my attitude at the time because it was just not unlike, or it was not like any of the music I was listening to at the time. So it was watching that get back without any context of what I was getting myself into. It was really cool to just like want to get into more. And that's why we're doing Beatlemania January is because that lit a spark in me. I was like, this is interesting. Even like the, 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 all the stuff going on between them and like, it was never like catty, but it was still interesting. And like, these are all just four artists that want to go in completely different directions and you can feel that pull in this album. So, um, I think I read something about George Harrison and like the sitar and everyone knows you and I love you know, Eastern music and, uh, we really, I love the sitar and Norwegian wood spoiler alert is why we're doing this album. I heard it and I was like, okay, I'm in Beatles. You, you, you got me, your hooks are in me. So 
I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 all they're so good. Like people don't realize how prolific they were. They were only active for what nine years, I think, really. Um, and they put out like eleven albums, I think. That's not including any live albums or any EPs. They did like full length albums. They did more than one a year, essentially. I think yeah, I think constantly. they did two two a year after they stopped touring. Yeah, it's dumb. It's 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 crazy how much shit they put out. They did. I think four movies, four or five movies. Well, Yellow Submarine doesn't count because they didn't do the voiceovers. They show up at the end, um, but they weren't convinced it was a good project. And then they saw what it was and they're like, no, this is fucking awesome. So let us do a little cameo at the end. And to be fair, you can't tell the voice actors that do each Beatle are really good. Um, so, I mean, to do four full length movies, really good movies too. Like they're, they're legitimately some of my favorite movies. Um like 10 11 albums all in the span of nine years while touring the world constantly like they're in the shit that they did um later in their career from a recording standpoint like i listened to abbey road the other day trying to get in the mood for beatles month and it's a perfect album there's nothing the front half is perfectly weighted um the second half is really experimental with the way they recorded it where the last I don't know, 10 songs are all just one continuous song, essentially. They're like little like 45 second snippets and they all run beautifully together. It's 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 how you make a, a, a an incredible album. And it just I don't know. I've never listened to another album that I enjoy listening to front to back as much as I do Abbey Road. So um, I don't think it's their best album, but it's certainly the most influential and like I think the most fun to listen to. So that's not again, not this album, but Rubber Soul is really good. So if you want to get into your fun facts, because I could I could fucking talk about the Beatles all day. Yeah, and I've got a lot of facts. So I even have a bullet or a, a separate one for just George Harrison facts for this album. Dude, George Harrison is the best Beatle, in my opinion. <laughs> I had no idea. I, I watched that get back and he was just so cool. It's like the who you think you are, you think you're George Harrison, but you're really just Ringo. Um, that should be a meme. I'll make that and post that on our no, Twitter. Every, everyone is Ringo. Ringo is the <laughs> the audience surrogate for the Beatles. Like, he's, God, he's so funny, dude. Ringo cracks me up. <laughs> um, so, fun facts. This was recorded in October and November and released two weeks later on December 3rd in 1965. What a turnaround. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, it was an attempt to get it out for the Christmas market, so they cranked it out. Um, it's their sixth studio album in 1965. Um, Rubber Soul began a 59-week run in the U.S. charts on Christmas Day. And from January 8th, 1966, spent six weeks at number one. It sold 1.2 million copies within nine days of its release. That's interesting. Because I, when I was listening to it, I was like, I wonder how this song charted or this album charted. Because it is you can start to see them diverge from what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting that it's spent, you know, some time at number one, probably on the back end. I mean, well, I don't know. Beatles were always popular, but I know this isn't one of their more well-known albums. Yeah. And I think one song even won a Grammy, which I'll get into later. Um, there's two different track listings. There's one for the UK and one for the U S uh, the U S one was 12 songs. The UK was, uh, 14. Um, they took off drive my car nowhere man what goes on and if i needed someone for the u.s and substituted it with two songs that were not used on help which is i've just seen a face and it's only love which that's crazy dude nowhere man is so fucking good it's so good Why if would i you needed someone that? drive my like they 
the poor U.S. got the short end of the stick. Yeah, Drive My Car is good too. It's, I mean, fuck, that's dumb. As an that's as dumb. an album opener, holy shit. Um, yeah. In their rush to complete the album, John Lennon and Paul McCartney included older songs they had written. Um, Wait was a special. Uh, was supposed to be on help and Michelle dates back as far as 1959. Yeah. Rubber soul inspired Brian Wilson to make the beach boys pet sounds, which in turn inspired the Beatles to experiment into Sergeant Pepper. So that's cool. A butterfly effect all the way to Sergeant Pepper, which you can hear it in Sergeant Pepper and you can hear it in pet sounds. Like I went back Mm. and listened to pet sounds after that. And I was like, Yes, like this, it got me so excited. Um, it was the first record um, to not have the Beatles' name on the cover, and their faces were elongated on accident. But they liked it so much because it like played into the rubber effect. So mm-hmm. I didn't even notice their faces were elongated. I just thought it was like a bad picture. Yeah, it's not. It's not anything super noticeable. It's not like a. We're so used to seeing like over fried memes that something like that is. <laughs> we're not going to notice. Um. So. I'll get into the George Harrison facts very quickly. Uh, George Harrison contributed two songs to Rubber Soul, which I think he did consistently for a lot of the albums until later on. Um, He also played a key role in studio collaborations, suggesting a number of arrangements and instruments which define the sound of the album. Uh, The sitar, there's a 12-string guitar later on. Um, His love of... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Which track is the 12-string guitar on? If I needed someone, I fucking knew it, dude. I'll get into why why I love that song so much, but dude, oh, yeah, I think uh, there's two that he uses it on. But if I needed someone and Norwegian Wood, Norwegian Wood, um, uh, Harrison's love of American soul and R&B influenced the guitar and bass lines on Drive My Car, um, which was inspired by Otis Redding's Respect. Uh, yeah, you, I can see that. It's super funky. Um, yeah. In addition to this, Harrison came up with the sitar part for Norwegian Wood. This was the first Beatles song which he used the sitar on, signaling the beginning of his interest in Indian music, which, you know, we're all we're all in for. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff. And I got more going on for song by song, but holy shit, there's so much to go on with. Like, normally we're, like, talking about just the music, but there's so much surrounding the album, we can't help it. Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, the Beatles are not just a band. They're a they're a part of like history of the world and certainly musical history. Like they they did so much for like recording techniques and bringing like that Eastern sound to the West. Like that's something you probably didn't hear a whole lot, if at all, before like George started to bring that sound into his music. And it's so beautiful the way he does it. Um, I have so much respect for George Harrison, like growing up i always liked like paul and and john because they're the front men but as you learn more about them like really ringo who was just kind of the guy who was just there and kind of disinterested in it all and then george who had the best solo career of all of them and just his songwriting chops are just they're so so good so yeah there was there was an interview with george that said like um they were like why did you want to branch out and do solo music he's like I've been sitting on some of these. I'm only allowed to do two songs an album. I've got hundreds of songs I've been like bubbling over with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you ready to do song by song? I'm ready. Let's go. All right. First one, Drive My Car. And I put in parentheses who wrote each song. 
Um, just uh, most of them are Lennon McCartney, but that way we know when a, a George Harrison song or even a Ringo comes up. Um, yeah. Drive My Car. Maybe it's because I've been watching too much Austin Powers, but this makes me want to go to the 60s and like be like in a swinging club. Yeah. It's like, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, letting a cute girl drive your car, like what a visual, you know, and yeah. what a great way to start the album out. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's it's a pretty standard because it, again, I've listened to a lot of Beatles. So this is pretty standard like bubblegum Beatles here, but it's it's you can tell it's got a little bit more of a rock edge to it than they had in some of their earlier stuff. Um I really really hate the beep 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 beep. Yeah, I hate that part, but the baby won't you drive my car? Like that's that's fucking awesome. That's got like a cool like swing to it. Um and like the little jazzy piano in the chorus, there's just a lot of stuff here. That's just, you can tell it's not, um, hold your hand anymore. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not the early Beatles anymore. There's, there's, they're trying to force, it's like, they're almost trying to hide it from their record label. It's like, like, we're still doing the same stuff guys. I promise. But here's a little jazzy piano in the middle of the chorus just to satisfy our needs. And that guitar solo after the second chorus. Yeah. So sexy. I love the 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 tune of the guitar in this whole song, but that guitar solo was sexy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's a great album opener too. Nice energy. Um, you kind of you really kind of get the feel because it's a, like a little dichotomy of the entire album where it's a mix of old and new, and it's and I'll get into it in my closing thoughts. But it's the boys trying to do what they want to do, but still having obligations to do what sells. And they're just being super cheeky throughout the entire album, except on like Norwegian, <laughs> like songs like Norwegian Wood, where it's just like, ah, oh, this is not the, uh, this is not your dad's Beatles here. Yeah, so. you know from the opening rip, this this song is gonna rip, and you're like, oh, f- yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, what a what a great uh, album opener, and we can go straight into Norwegian Wood. Yeah, my favorite song on the album, probably. Um, it's certainly the one I've listened to the most from this album. Um, and just, again, George Harrison's guitar playing is so underrated. I mean, he's not, he's not one of the best ever, but he's the way he plays and the way the tone he gets out of the instruments that he plays is just beautiful, man. And, uh, it's, I don't know. It's, I think it's the way he can like emote with playing kind of like what you say with classical music. Like if it, if you can feel the emotion coming through. That's what makes a good guitar player. Because technically, I'm sure he's not the best, but you know you and you don't. But you don't have to be as long as you can feel the emotion that what you're playing with. Um, and I, nobody writes like slice of life music. Maybe Billy Joel, but better than the Beatles do. The way that it's just the way they deliver it, and I think a lot of their accent helps too. Like that. Um, what, what the fuck are they from? I can't remember Liverpool. Like that Liverpudlian accent is like. It just really blends like a, like a authenticity to the every man's songs that they write. Like, cause this is just a slice of life. There's nothing really profound happening here. It's just kind of a guy going through a day. Um, and it, but, it, but the, when they Beatles do slice of life stuff, it's just, it feels so good and authentic and you feel like you live it. Um, like Penny Lane, like Penny Lane is just about a song it's just about a street and all the shops on that street, but there's something, there's nothing fake about Penny Lane because the way they, the guitar works, the sitar works, the way it's, it's sung. 
there's, it's, there's just this really there's a gravitas to it it's like the everyman gravitas and i fucking love it man it's just really really shines here yeah i, I think you're onto something i think there's something to be said about like not trying too hard to do too much in one song they always are like this song is going to be about this and like we're not mm-hmm. gonna we're not gonna deter too far from from one lane but they always like you have their undivided attention with that one song um the i love the maracas and the tambourine in this song yeah um oh the fucking beatles and their fucking tambourine dude it's fucking in every fucking song <laughs> I know this is a Lennon McCartney song, but I think Ringo and George like steal the show on this. Yeah, hundred percent. This is a George track. George stands out on this entire album for me. It's this. It feels like him raging against the machine a little bit. It's yeah, like, yeah. We get it, John and Paul. You guys are the stars, but I'm I'm really good at guitar. So please <laughs> let me shine a little bit. Uh, you ready to get into track three? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, you won't see me. It's another Lennon McCartney song. Uh, this was their longest song to date, which it's not even like an incredibly long song. It's like three minutes and 23 seconds long. Um, the lyrics could have been written by Taylor Swift. Yeah. Um, from what I read, it's about Paul's girlfriend and she wanted to be a working actress and he wanted her to be like a stay at home girl. And so they broke up because of it. And there's a few songs on the album where he's just like, how could you have done this to me? Take my calls. I'm Paul yeah. McCartney, but, <laughs> but overall this song's like, okay, yeah, this is fine, but yeah. it's not the first two songs. No. Yeah. That's my last note is just, it's fine. <laughs> um, it's, it's just, it, again, there's a lot of bubblegum pop on here and I like, I really like the early, like the, some of the early Beatles bubblegum stuff is really good. Like bubblegum isn't necessarily derogatory. It just kind of defines the sound. It's just, there's not much there. It's not, it's not going to blow you away lyrically or sonically. But that doesn't mean it's not good. It's enjoyable to listen to for sure. And the Beatles are really good at it. Like the Beatles are probably the best at writing bubblegum pop of all time, in my opinion. Um, just because of the way they harmonize and they're all like they're not the best instrumentalists, but they're all great at what they do. Kind of like Travis Barker with pop punk drumming. Like they can do pop rock better than probably anyone. So um what it did what did stand out to me on this track is Ringo's drumming is actually super interesting. Um, it's really, really minimalist, but it allows him, it, it's almost like he is disinterested in playing the drums for this track, which uh, the way they personify Ringo in a lot of the movies is it's, it makes sense that he was just like, yeah, I'm just going to play some minimalist shit. But it, it sounds really fucking cool because he could have just played like a, a simple regular beat, but um, he didn't. He chose to do something super minimal. I don't know if it was his choice or not, but it's really it's really cool regardless it's not it that that's what makes this a better than like a normal like taylor swift song is that ringo's drumming is actually super interesting um because it is so minimal um and it's almost like he just like eh, <laughs> just slightly tapping things and but it's it's cool i don't know maybe i'm trying to uh you know spin some shit into gold here but i i really do think it's a it's a cool like touch from ringo on this song yeah um are you are you ready to move on yeah nowhere man probably my second favorite song on this album strictly because from the it's being on um in yellow submarine the movie it's one of my favorite parts in the movie it's it's really really cool um i can't disconnect this song from jeremy hillary boob foot (laughs) and you'll get that joke if you ever watch the movie but it's just it's it's such a cool 
part of that movie. But um, outside of that, it's still a kick-ass song. It's kind of like, because it's like an extrovert struggling to understand an introvert. And it's like this nowhere man who has nowhere plans for nobody. <laughs> Look at what you're missing, nowhere man. Um, and I'm sure it's something completely different from that, but that's always what it was to me. Cause that's kind of what it is in the movie. Like, the guy that they find, Jeremy Hillary Boob, is just living in the middle of this nowhere space, and he just he has no interest in like going with them. Um, but they convince him, "Was like, hey man, you're missing all this cool shit." Um, but the song structure is beautiful in its simplicity. It's like you can really see how the the Beatles kind of changed the way pop rock would sound in this song specifically. It's so bright and vibrant, and it's not boring at all. Everything up to that point when pop rock was very boring, but this is, this is so bright. It almost hurts. It's like sparkling. Um, and it, 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 it's so stark in comparison to you won't see me. The, just the quality of this song versus the last <laughs> one. It's like, Oh shit. Okay. Pop rock can be awesome. And it just, it just really highlights how genius of songwriters they all were when they really were working together. Yeah, I, I think this song is what you were talking about with Ringo being a minimalist in the last song. This is a song where I was like, he's doing some shit that like, like this is a slower tempo song, but he's like the snare roll he does and like mm-hmm. every pre-chorus gets me fucking hyped. Um, I, I had thought this is like initially like a petty song before I looked up the lyrics and it's really about like John just calling himself out. It's like yeah. him just like staring in a mirror and being like, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything original. It's time to like stop being someone that's like not going anywhere. Yeah. And I think it's a hangover song from what I read. Like him and Paul and John had gone out drinking and they were like, hey, man, you need to like, you need to get it together. You're like not going anywhere. So yeah. that's, it's, is it the hangover anthem? People were asking. Could, it very well could be. It very well should be. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't. Know, I just. I. It, the, it, I don't know. The line, he. He's he, like he's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. That's so. It's so poignant to me. It's just. It's really clever. Like I don't know. And the way they. The harmonies with which they sing it. I don't know, man. The Beatles fucking rock. Yeah, <laughs> they're so it, good. Them and the Beach Boys were so good at harmonizing. I think mm-hmm. I talk about it late, later on in some other songs, but like every song. I know they do like uh, double vocals for each person, mm-hmm. but like even everyone harmonizing, you're like, oh, that is just music to my ears. No one does. There, it's rare. There's three people in a band nowadays that can sing, but they had four. They had four yeah. people that could take lead vocals at any time on a song. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, and even if it is just double vocals, like that's still a super cool recording technique to make a sound song sound just like I said, more vibrant. Like it's just, it's not just four dudes singing into microphones in a studio. You're they're thinking about the, how they can make this sound better and sound cooler and more crisp. And for how old this, like being recorded in the sixties, this is such a crisp sounding album. Mm-hmm. And it, it really blows me away sometimes, specifically this song, like the production value is just incredible. So um, anyway, let's move on. Cause let's like I said, <laughs> there's, there's a, the, the way I can talk about the Beatles is like, I can talk about Nowhere Man forever, but songs like fucking uh, You Won't See Me is like, all right, right. we've all heard this song before. Let's let's talk about the good shit. We'll blow by the ones we don't like. Um, (laughs) Well, it's not that I don't like them. They're just less interesting. Yeah. 
Uh, track number five is Think for Yourself. This one's written by George Harrison. And it's pretty obvious from the the moment it starts, I think. Yeah. Um, you know what? Forget the government. I'm with you, Georgie. You know <laughs> what? I, I'm with you. Whatever this... I think that's what this song's about. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Um, this song feels like a like a, a Creedence Clearwater song. Like, yes, um, I agree with that. I, I don't know exactly what... I think it's maybe the tune of the guitar and the way George sings it. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm... There's a couple songs in a row that aren't relationship related, and it was kind of refreshing to be like, okay, thank you. Thank you for not just talking about girls the whole time. And I think if we'd started any earlier, we wouldn't have gotten that reprieve. Um, most of the song was captured in one take on the vo- outside of the vocals. So I think they got everything but the lead guitar and the vocals in one take. Incredible. Oh, yeah. What do you got for Think for Yourself? <laughs> um, yeah, just this is just a good old-fashioned rock song, man. That that this, The distortion they use on their guitars in this song is so classically 60s. It hurts, dude. Um, it, it, it's, it's, you don't really hear it anywhere outside of the 60s, but it's like that really, really super crunchy distortion. But it's not like metal distortion where it's like I, I don't know if you if you heard it you would know it exactly what I'm talking about. It's but it sounds so cool. It's almost like um, like organs that were used in like psychedelic stuff. I hate those organs, but you don't really they're so trapped in a time. I really like this distortion technique. I don't know what it is or what it's called, but it's just super cool. And it's you can like you said you can immediately tell like there's something different about this track. So it makes total sense to me that this is a George Harrison track because um, they're really taking like techniques they learned being a boy band essentially, but using those chops that they developed and turning them into something way more mature. And it makes it like cool and fun. And like this, this track isn't like, it's not going to blow you away, but if you're looking at it through the lens that I have, where you know the full story of the Beatles and you can kind of look at this album as like the transition period Th- that makes this, this whole album really, really a lot more interesting because on the face of it, it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's a fine Beatles album with some standouts. But if you look at it through the lens of the, Oh shit, this was, this was them trying to do their own shit finally. And it's really, it's really cool to kind of look at, especially songs like think for yourself. Like this is them. This is, this is, this feels like their track. It's not. And then like, the other bubblegum pops are for the record label. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's kind of, they kind of bounce back and forth the entire time. It was so fun to listen to this album and kind of think of it in that context. Plus it's, it's got a really good flow for being something that's thrown together in two, yeah, two dude. weeks, you know, um, it's, it's crazy. It's amazing. It, it, again, it just really points out how good they were at writing music like this and how they just changed. Like, fuck dude like they just changed the way pop music was recorded forever and to think that they could just throw together an album like this that's pretty fucking good and like essentially two months start to finish and then release it two weeks later like just take the mastering process of two weeks it's like fuck dude it's crazy it's crazy how good the beatles are and how underrated i feel like they still are for some people Mm -hmm. myself included until recently yeah this, I want to point out that this is Be- this Beatles month was Dylan's idea, not mine. 
because I I was fucking like I said I'll talk about the Beatles forever because I love them. But I think it's like a a personal thing. I want to push myself to get there, and I think it'll be interesting for people to hear two completely different perspectives because mm-hmm. I think that's how the listenership is. It's either people love the Beatles or people have just not heard enough Beatles. <laughs> yeah, well, even though that's my take on it, I think you're allowed to not like the Beatles if you don't like the Beatles. But I think if you if you look at the Beatles through the right lens, you have to at least respect what they did. So yeah. Uh, so track number six, the word. It's your turn. The word. It is. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't know if you uh, knew. No, I didn't. So thank you for getting me back on track. I, I've been going on tangents this entire episode. I feel like. Um, so. Again, I, that I was just talking about them raging against the machine. This is two tracks right in a row because this is this is a straight jazz soul track. Like this is no, there's nothing bubblegum about this. Um, it's just it's I don't know. It's it's really fun to listen to that poll. It's like ah, f- fuck you, whatever record label they were on at the time. Like I really want to do this shit. I've got good shit. I don't want to write fucking hard day's night 10 more times until i die you know what i mean let me let me do my jazz soul shit um again it's it, this isn't a standout track for me but it, if you look at it through the right lens it is really really fun to take that journey with the band because you can there's there's so much like rubber soul feels appropriate because you're if you could feel them kind of stretching and contracting against themselves and i don't know if that's the meaning behind I, i'm sure it's not but um if, the, if that's the way it is, like they have this rubber sole where they're kind of stretching and contracting back against themselves. I don't know. It, it, it was, I, I'm, again, I'm making, uh, I think you're, molehills here, but no, you're kind of onto something. Cause I think they got the name because someone called the Rolling Stones, like, um, it was rock music, but it, they had plastic soles. So they were that's like, interesting. uh, we're just going to be, we're going to have rubber soles. Um, but yeah. I mean, that's kind of akin to what you were saying. Yeah. Um, this feels like a sequel to Drive My Car. Like, um, yeah, at least sonically, sure. It just felt like, you know, you got like the intro, and this is what we've been working on in the studio. And it's like the drums are way more intricate. Ringo freaking took, stole the show on this song. Um, it's another Lennon McCartney song. And, the guitars and the drums. It's like George Harrison, Ringo. They they might not have written the lyrics for the song, but they wrote this motherfucking song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I that's why I liked it. Was like everything but the lyrics. I don't even know what the lyrics were to be honest. To be honest, most Beatles songs are pretty vapid. That's yeah. <laughs> for it, lyrically. It's just like I love a girl and she loves me, and we're happy. <laughs> Or I mean, not. at least, yeah, or not. <laughs> at least in their bubblegum stage, that's kind of what it was. Again, it doesn't make the music worse. It's just, yeah, you know what it is. It's sometimes it's not that deep. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Which kind of actually transitions perfectly into Michelle. Yep. Which is like a Pepe Le Pew song. Yeah. Um, it's known famously as the French tune. It was a song that Paul would play at parties to woo women, and he like learned French phrases so that he could sing it to yeah. women. This is the most Paul McCartney song of all time. (laughs) And it's so obvious, dude. I mean, I, I I love Paul. I love the way Paul sings, especially later on in the, in the, in the band's career, but he's such a dork, man. He's so dorky. And like his, his, his solo career is my least favorite. um, Because uh, Paul just makes 
bad music <laughs> bad pop music when he, he goes solo <laughs> he needs john lennon to be like no he yeah or george to say like hey let's spice this up a little bit with a cool little like lick here or there mm-hmm. um, uh this song won a grammy in 1967 for song of the year um that's, that's a travesty <laughs> um it has some finger picking in the song, which I thought was interesting, and it kind of feels like a Spanish love song. I think calling yeah. it a Pepe Le Pew song is kind of more perfect than a Spanish love song. Well, yeah, there's French in the song, so it makes way more sense. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, I don't, I'm sorry. Were you finished? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you know anything about me, you know I have a weakness for women named Michelle. I always have. Like, it just any woman I meet that is named Michelle, I just like. Am, you're automatically more attractive to me. I don't know where or where it started or when, but it's just, that's the way it is for me. Um, it's not my favorite song. I mean, I, it's, again, it's a Paul McCartney song. It's fine. Paul's just a dork and you got to expect the dorkiness. It's simple and sweet. Um, I do love when he does the, I need to, I need to, I need to. Like that's like when, when Paul starts to get a little soulful, like that's when I really love Paul. Um yeah, it's pretty terrible for the, <laughs> for the most part. Like Michelle, Michelle, my bill. Like it's yeah, it's like yeah, come on, Paul. Yeah, especially the run we had, like getting to this song, yeah. you're like, okay, we're back to the love songs. Yeah, but again, it's fine. It's it's I, like I think you said this was written super early, right? Like yeah, I think 1959. So yeah, Paul was like fucking 17 years old when he wrote this song. Yeah, I think they were trying to like get more songs onto the album, and he was yeah. like, "Didn't you have like that that French song you wrote at parties?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I can whip that up real quick," you know. Yeah, and I don't think I, here's the thing: I don't think like if Paul, Sir Paul, if you're listening, <laughs> I don't. I, I hope you're not offended by that because I understand. Like. Dylan, you you read Nicholas Sparks to impress girls. I did dumb shit to impress girls. Our buddy Zach, famously, can we? I, I think he would love hearing that we yeah. told the story. Uh, he stood outside of a junior high basketball game and sang a girl "Lips of an Angel" by Hinder, um, which is one of my favorite stories of all time. It's a certified banger, to be sure. It's, but it is a hilarious thought because if you know Zach, it's it's just so funny um <laughs> yeah so we we all did stupid shit to impress girls when we were teenagers so sir paul i i get it it's just not a, it's not a great song and i think you probably agree yeah <laughs> it still won a grammy so what do we know yeah uh, fuck yeah it's just, i don't know shit uh so track number eight is what goes on yes it is and i'm going to say it dill this is a fun little romp oh yeah a little jaunt <laughs> Yeah, it's a John. It's a country romp, dude, for sure. It's 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 so it's so interesting to hear this at song eight because we're at the back half of the album at this point, like it, almost exactly in the middle of the album. So do you hear like old school country western almost? It's it's again. I kept looking at it through the lens of these guys want to break out of this mold so badly that they're gonna fucking put a country western song in the middle of a pop rock album from the 60s um it kicks ass dude i fucking love this song so much um it's a classic tale of like a no good woman um like a classic country tale of just a woman stepping out or like i don't trust you it's probably michelle from the last song michelle. Um, 
<laughs> and it's just it's so cool man i fucking love this track and it, again it's nothing special but it it's feels so, like a rockabilly song or something yeah it does it's 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 straight up out of the it's straight from nashville mm-hmm. in the 50s it's crazy dude and it's um yeah the boys are becoming men and just just violently raging against the machine as much as they can this is a lennon mccartney and ringo song <laughs> that makes sense. Um, but Lennon originally wrote the song in 1959 because he was inspired by Buddy Holly. All that makes complete sense for the song. Yeah. Um, Ringo gets his first writing credit in any Beatles song right here. And he says that he only <laughs> contributed the line, waiting for the tides of time. <laughs> <laughs> dude, fucking poor, Ringo cracks me up, dude. Uh, he's so fucking funny like but, uh, there's the classic uh somebody asked like john and paul if ringo's the best drummer in the world and the answer was ringo's not even the best drummer in the beatles poor guy yeah he's so i fucking love ringo man yeah um uh, maybe the most self-aware beetle too um yeah oh yeah 100 percent. but yeah it, it, it was cracking me up to read that because he's like I get songwriting credits for five words or something like that. Um, but yeah, I I don't really have anything else to add that you didn't already say because it's such a fun song. It's like, yeah. holy shit, this is the Beatles? Like, th- it's cr- <laughs> if I heard this out of context, I would not guess it was. I would have guessed Buddy Holly for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, So track number nine, Girl, which is another Lennon McCartney song. Um, This song is so much fun. Uh, yeah. the synced up girl, and then he like sucks his teeth. Yeah, the ah, oh, like, dude, it's, it's like oh uh, uh, yeah, it's it the way like everyone like joins in and says girl, and he like sucks his teeth, and then everyone comes back in and says girl again. Like oh <laughs> wow, I yeah, track nine, and we're still getting hyped. Maybe we're getting yep. more hyped. Be- the back half of this album is awesome. Like I love the back half of this album. Yeah, I think the next song is my favorite too. So um. Yep. The idea that girls are hurting the boys, um, hurting the boys' feelings had to be something different that was going on. Like, it's the 60s. How often were people, like, talking about their feelings like this? Like, you know what? This girl hurt my feelings. I bet people were like, shut up, you nerd. Um, (laughs) Or shut up. You're the Beatles. You can have any woman in the world. (laughs) Yeah. But to know, like, a girl has power over you, like, that's my favorite. I love, like powerful women so this song like mm-hmm. speaks to me speaks to my soul like girls are hurting my feelings that that takes me back <laughs> i feel 17 again oh, um, <laughs> yeah I, I love my powerful women so this song really spoke to my soul yeah yeah it's 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 always nice to see boy bands starting to write breakup songs because then you know they're starting like well i don't have to paint the painter to you bitches anymore <laughs> you all suck yep <laughs> you all suck um but it's really really fun i re- had the same note about the inhale through the teeth in the chorus it's just you could feel like the it's not it's not quite rage it's not quite anger it's not quite sadness it's somewhere in between it's all pain of those. it's straight pain. it's pain it's, it's pain it's spain without the s for sure yeah, it's so good, man. It's just little songwriting stuff like that. It's, I've, I've talked about it before. Like, clever songwriting can take a pretty basic, like, breakup pop song to make it just, ah, just perfect. And, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, fuck, this girl ain't it, but you can't quit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yep. 
So, and it, I always love shit like that. And it's got, again, it's got a cool little smoky French lounge feel to it. That's, I couldn't get that idea out of my mind. Like a little lounge, you have to go down a little French street down below the street to go sit there. Um, I don't know. I, it, it's, I don't know. Again, it's a pretty basic song, but there's just little touches of stuff that just elevates it. It puts that picture being, right in your mind. Yeah, it's so fucking good, man. Yeah, so moving right along into track 10, I'm looking through you, and you've already said this is like your favorite track, you think? Um, my first note here is this is a prime example of even if you hate the Beatles, you can't deny how good they were at writing pop music. Um, it's such a catchy tune, and there's so much pain in that you're not the same of every chorus it's like i don't know man it's again it's in that very much of the same vein of that that in breath through the teeth in the last song the way that, that you're not the same is delivered it's there's just palpable pain in it and and then that almost, guitar comes in after it's like yes. you're not the same <laughs> I'm like, yeah i feel it i just i felt it from the moment i heard it i was like oh yeah. my god yeah dude it's so good it's just there's not there's i feel like i'm repeating myself a lot but um this track felt like it that that part specifically felt like you're arguing with yourself in a mirror like you're kind of just like mumbling to yourself and you're like "Ah," that's like the explosion moment that you're not the same it's just a great fucking track man i I just i'll let you take it because this is more your favorite track so i'm sure you have a lot more to say than i do here there's so much but that opening riff holy shit that opening riff you i knew this was going to be a certified banger but i just like I thought I would have heard a song like this or I would have heard a a song like this when someone was showing me the Beatles. I yeah. kind of felt like I've been misled. This, there's songs like this out here when people are telling me to listen to Hey Jude. Nothing against yeah. it, but like, are you shitting me? Hey like, Jude stinks. Um, there's like a sound in this song that resembles like slapping a leg and it just feels like someone's like telling you about a nasty breakup and your buddies are fucking gassing you up. And it's like, <laughs> you know what? And then like it gets to like, you know what? She's not the same. And then like it just like explodes and then it comes back down. Yep. And it kind of like resembles like the feelings you have during a breakup where it's like up and down and riding the wave. And you know what? This is another song about that girl that wanted to be an actress. So Paul was, <laughs> yeah. Paul was down bad. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you want to work, woman? Uh, <laughs> your place is at home uh, i thought i knew you what did i know like obviously yeah. we don't know everything that went on with the breakup but i just love thinking that like paul is just down bad because this girl wants to be an actress he's in the <laughs> biggest fucking band of all time and he's upset <laughs> with her for wanting to be an actress um but there's a line that i heard like driving love has a nasty habit of disappearing overnight and i was like dang you're lucky I didn't get my hands on that shit when I was 14. That's some emo bullshit right there, bud. <laughs> that would have been such a good away message. Just hitting mm-hmm. in a track <laughs> yeah. 10. Um, but yeah, that's all I had. That's my hype corner for I'm looking yeah. through you. Um, you got anything else? Nah, man. Just a great track. I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, track 11 is... Oh, by the way, that was a Lennon McCartney song. Track 11 okay. is In My Life. It's another Lennon McCartney song. And... I like when John Lennon gets a little autobiographical. I think you said he does it in Penny Lane. He does it in this song. Um, And it's always refreshing because it's like he can do a little more self-reflection than I think Paul could. So the songs were always just a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't know what that piano sounding thing is at one thirty. Like it's a MIDI harpsichord. I'm pretty sure it reminds me of like a Catholic wedding. Like yeah, <laughs> you, you got to stand up because someone's about to walk down the aisle for. Their, um, but I, it's such a weird and cool instrument. But I had no idea what it was, and it was just like shocking to hear. It's definitely a harpsichord, and it's definitely digitized. So I, 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 it's got to be a MIDI piano harpsichord like load in it's it's fucking weird but i loved it too <laughs> it, it i was telling zoe it reminded me of like uh the when you couldn't buy a, a ringtone like back in like the early <laughs> cell phones so you could buy like the generic version of a song <laughs> you know what i'm talking about yeah 100 percent. that's exactly what that is dude it's a shitty midi version of a <laughs> instrument that is sounds way better than what that midi version does yeah, just type in YouTube uh, generic um, my humps and you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> generic my humps uh, ringtone and it'll make you laugh out loud. But that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, but I, I love the harmonization for my life at the mm -hmm. 210 mark. It just like I can't help but smile when they, they all harmonize, especially Lennon and McCartney. They're just yeah. like so in tune. The, the timbre of their voices is so different too, but it works really well together. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I agree totally. I think their their harmonization is some of the best I've heard. Uh, in, in, a, in an era where harmonization was really popular, they they stand out. So, uh, what did you have more? I'm sorry. Nope. Okay. Um, yeah, no. This is the late palate cleanser for me. We got what three tracks after this, um, but we've had a pretty high emotional tracks to back to back right before this. Two pretty bad breakup songs. And this is just this is just the sweetest pie, like reminiscence. Like it's like I have all these great memories, but my love for you is is even better than all of these great memories mm -hmm. that I have. And I think that's such a cool way to like frame like one pay homage to having nostalgia for things, but also nothing in my life has been better than what you are now. And it's such a like like super sweet way to state something because everybody knows the power of nostalgia so um to say like yeah my life's been cool but it's not as cool as it is now because you're in it so um it, it's just like I, I mentioned the mini harpsichord solo it's just so incredibly 60s it hurts but it made me smile because it just it's furious it's really fast too like there's like a there's like 20 notes in like two seconds and it, it's just it's it comes out of nowhere but it's it's so funny and somehow it fits i don't know it's it just makes me laugh um but yeah it, again it's really started to feel george kind of standing out on this album um he's really understated with his guitar playing throughout the entire discography of the beatles but when he's allowed to just write a beautiful little like lick or guitar fill man is it good like he, uh, he again he's not the greatest of all time not even close i probably wouldn't put him in my top 100 greatest guitar players of all time but he had such a great feel for how to fill space in a pop song and make it super interesting and just really really resonate in your ear ah yeah george is great i, I again uh, you're gonna hear a lot about george harrison this month guys sorry yep <laughs> and this is a month that we it landed like on the third so we're gonna have five episodes so yep. get ready. The gushing has just begun. 
You ready to get into weight track 12? I am. I am. Uh, and this is, I was like, oh, Beatles and their tambourine because it's every fucking where in this album and throughout their entire discog. It's just everywhere. It's so fun. It's like, it's, it's not bad. It's just, that's what you did in the 60s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had tambourines on your tracks. Um, and I really didn't have a whole lot to say about this. I probably would have cut this song um, when we were talking about cutting songs earlier. But it's not bad. It just doesn't really stand out, uh, it, but it feels weird to cut a song that's like less than on an album that's less than forty minutes long. Right. Which again, it's fun to listen to Beatles albums because they had to be less than three minutes or they weren't getting on the radio. So everything's like two twenty one, two thirty, two forty. If you really want to push it, um, so you could just fly through fourteen tracks in in a standard lunch break, which is it's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a good point. I mean. I, that's probably why I'm like, you know what? We could probably do all the Beatles albums for all I care. They're not that we long. Could. Well, I don't ever want to do the White Album. I think, full disclosure, I don't think the White Album is very good. I think there's a perfect stretch of six songs in the White Album. I think that is what people remember. But it's a double album, and most of the double album is not very good. Yeah. That's, that is my hot take for the for the month. The that's White good Album to get it is out of the way. Okay. Yeah, it's just okay. <laughs> It's buried 50 minutes into our, <laughs> our Rubber fucking, Soul album. There's the best EP ever buried in the middle of a double album on the White Album. So that's that's how I feel about <laughs> the White Album. Uh, um, yeah, that, we're talking about weight, right? Yes. Um, this song was originally written for help, but it didn't make the cut. So they That makes sense. They, they circle back to it. Um, this is another melancholy song about paul on his shorty i mean honestly at a certain point paul should have just seen a therapist um but (laughs) but you know 60s man you don't do that he cranked out he cranked out some songs and i love the the tambourine and i think there's some maracas in there there is there 100 is and maracas just make me smile no matter what because i just imagine ringo with his little mustache shaking maracas um (laughs) (laughs) that's all the visual i need um so track 13 if I needed mm-hmm. someone, this is George Harrison's second song. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it is because the way it starts, just like the other George Harrison song, um, there's a 12 string guitar and you can feel the like Indian music influence coming through again. Um, and it's also said to be heavily influenced by the band, the birds. Are you familiar with them? Vaguely. Yes. Uh, I guess like they were like playing a lot of music together and they were collaborating. So the Beatles influenced the birds, birds influenced them. And they were all like getting really into Indian music. Um, I really like George playing it cool. Like he doesn't do a lot of relationship songs, but when he does, it's like, well, if I needed someone, you know, like it's not like, oh, baby, I need you. It's like, "Mm," you know, if, if the time was right, if I needed someone, you know? Yeah. So what is it? What's the lyric? If I carved my number into your wall, would you give me a call or something like that? Yes. I, I was. I thought that was really cool. Kind of aggressive, but I don't know. I just really liked it. <laughs> it's not near as aggressive as the next song. <laughs> no, that's certainly not. Um, but this fucking guitar tone, Dill, to start this song is one of the most beautiful guitar tones I've ever heard. Ever. Like, it's just so beautiful. It's so crystal fucking clear. This was recorded in 1965. So to hear guitar tone that clear 
and it's like it's crystalline. It's just the only way I can describe how clear and vibrant and colorful the guitar tone is in the beginning of this song. It's just, it's one of the most gorgeous. I was blown away when I heard it because like I said, this isn't an album that I listen to. Like I listen to Sgt. Pepper. I listen to Magical Mystery Tour. I listen to Abbey Road. And I, those are the three that I listen to revolver every now and again. Um, but those are the ones that I listen to because those are my favorites. So I don't really listen to rubber soul a whole lot. So hearing this fucking literally blew me back in my chair. I had like an orgasmic moment. I was like, this is this guitar tone is beautiful. I know and on and, track and, 13. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like again, the lyrics are, are what they are. It's pretty understated. Um, but George, man, George kills this album. And this is where he starts to really show out. And like I said, I've never heard guitar tone that I've liked better than this. Um, that I can remember. Uh, at least not clean guitar tone. Like I, there's a lot of like distorted metal guitar tones that I really love. But it's just sonically one of the most gorgeous songs that I think you could have made back then. It's just, oh man. If you want to if you want to know what the song could have been like generic wise... Uh, the band The Hollies released a cover of the song the same day Rubber Soul came out, which is wild. I guess uh, George Martin was also producing a band called The Hollies, and he like yeah. somehow they recorded the same song. Um, so George Harrison is super critical of it. If you, I'll put a link of it in into our show notes because listening to them side by side, it's like. This song could have just been like a run-of-the-mill song if it wasn't for that guitar and that 12-string guitar just sounded so good. It's, it's so vibrant. It's 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 uh, it's radiant. Like, I, I don't know. It's, 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 it's the what only I thing imagine. you notice about the song. Yeah, it's what I imagine guitars sound like in heaven. Like, <laughs> I really do. It's it's so good, man. It's so good. The tone is just beautiful. So, yeah, uh, let's move on before I jizz in my pants. <laughs> uh track <laughs> number 14 run for your life run for your life uh if i can't have her no one will take it to the extreme uh in a beatles song that starts out well if you just read these lyrics well i'd rather see you dead little girl than to be with another man and i told you that was a beatles song you would probably punch me in my face <laughs> oh dude for sure for sure <laughs> I, I i was so floored by it i i ended up going to twitter and like making a little joke out of it yeah. yeah it's one of my one of the only hot takes i agree with that you made on our twitter so. <laughs> um because I, I had the same note for a different song um it, it, the the beatles it turns out they're the masters of writing songs about murder that sound happy which is as we've talked about before with the misfits that's one of it's my favorite genre of song to make because it's so fucking funny and it's it fits my sense of humor perfectly um I mean, Maxwell Silverhammer is the shining example of, of a song about killing multiple people and making it sound goofy as fuck. Um, but this is right up there with it. <laughs> this is so this is this is if you dr- trace Maxwell Silverhammer back to its origin, this is the start of it. And it's just so funny, man. It's such a fun song about killing a woman <laughs> because you don't want her to have another dick but yours. <laughs> it's it's concerning. Like I, I hope they're joking. But I don't he says know. You if better they are. run for your life, girl. You <laughs> bury your hand head in the sand, girl. Oh my god. Yeah. I I truly hope because like this is like I don't know who wrote the song. John, Paul, doesn't matter. Get get help. If this is not a joke, I I'm truly concerned. 
Uh, I I honestly it made me laugh so much, but I honestly think I could do without the song on the album. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 fun. It, it's funny, and but it, when you really start to think about it, like uh, both those guys are not very good with women. They were didn't treat <laughs> women very well. So this is probably like a half joke, but probably was probably serious at some point. Um, they neither one of them has great track records, and this is this is misogyny at its best, right? Yeah, this song it's is like, so toxic. I put the emoji this one, <laughs> yeah. which is good podcasting because I mean, you don't. No one knows but Kevin. I'm just like doing I see it. It the eye bulge. You could judge by my laugh if it was a good emoji or not. <laughs> I'll let you decide, folks. Um, yeah, it's it, I, I and I wrote this song "Watch So Natalie" by Bruno Mars could run. It's very much <laughs> the same concept. It's almost the exact same story. Like, if I find you, I'm going to kill you. That's what Natalie's about. And that's kind of what this is, too. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just, I this shit, shit like this makes me laugh. Whenever you hear a pop, a bubblegum pop song about murdering someone, it's just, it's just funny. It's yeah. funny to me. <laughs> uh, John Lennon said in 1973, this was his least favorite Beatles song. That's fair. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Probably because probably it probably because it's true. It probably because it comes from a place of not trying to make a funny joke. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope. Uh, yeah. I hope it's a joke, but I know it's not. It's um, not. Let's get into closing thoughts, shall we? Let's do it. I'll let you go first. Okay. Um, I really kind of touched on a lot of it already. Um, but for someone that has listened to the Beatles their entire life, but it's largely overlooked this album except for like Norwegian wood and a few others like nowhere, man. Um, it's, it was so enjoyable for me to listen to it. Knowing what came after this, knowing the albums that came after this, um, what was the next album after this? Is it Sergeant, Sergeant Pepper, the next album after this or um, no, it can't be. Um, I, I think it's uh standby revolver. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Revolver is so much different. Like, Revolver is almost devoid of, of poppy songs almost entirely. And it was probably released the next year. Yeah. And then Magical 66. Mystery Tour was Magical Mystery Tour was 67, but they did two in 67, I'm pretty sure. Sgt. Pepper um, and Mag- Magic Mystery Tour. Yeah, which <laughs> the strangest time of their lives, it figures they would do the two strangest albums in one year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's... Again, it's just interesting to listen to that tug of war that they had. Um, it's because I feel like this album is largely forgotten, probably because of that. It's like they don't. They, who was this album written for? Was it written for the little girls that they've been writing songs for? Was it written for them? I think the answer is that it was for the little girls, but really just for them. I think it was. It was the first time they started thinking like. What if we did this for us? Like, yes. we don't have to sell records anymore. We are the Beatles. We don't even have yeah. to put our name on the record. We can just, like, what if we did this? You know, just, like, I think the ideas and, like, you can definitely see the seeds being s- sowed here. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it was really cool. I think, oh, I, I misread my note. It was, it's a, it's, <laughs> it's an album for both of them and the girls, but really just for them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, exactly what you just said. So, I, again, it's still not probably going to make my rotation heavy as far as albums go. There's just not enough good, like great songs here, but there's some stuff that I forgot about, like a hundred percent that I will be listening to more of. Like if I needed somebody is now one of my favorite Beatles songs, just because of that guitar tone alone. Um, 
so yeah, um, I appreciate you picking this pick because I never would have picked it probably. I I'm so glad you encouraged me once I said it and you were like, oh yeah, let's do it. I was like, okay. And even earlier in the week, I was like, what if we just like picked a couple songs and you know talked about the album generally and talked about some highlights? And you were like, no, let's let's do the deep dive if we're gonna do the deep dive. And I was like, I needed that push because it got me to love songs that I probably would have just like skipped over and been like, you know what, driving my car, I love it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I really appreciate you pushing me. And I think this is a perfect jump off point because it is in that like weird area of like still trying to cater to people, but still trying to do some self-discovery. Cause I think they're young. Like they're still like 22, 23 at this point. Yeah. Crazy crazy to have this kind of experimentation at 22 and 23 you think people would just like dig their heels in sell Mm -hmm. sell what sells you know um so i think it's perfect for me because i get to hear like weird experimentation but i still like the good the good poppy choruses so this was kind of right in my wheelhouse without even knowing and i picked it strictly because of norwegian wood and kind of worked my way backwards yeah I think, I think that's, you know, that's a good point. And uh, because everybody knows what the, the poppy Beatles were, everybody knows those songs. And I think that's what people that don't say they don't like the Beatles. That's what they assume they were the entire time with like, because even Hey Jude is a much later song. So it's, it's on their last album, I think. Right. Um, so it's like, that sounds like it could have been on one of their earlier albums. Right. So it sounds so cliche to say, but the Beatles really are made by their deep cuts. I think uh, it, it, even on like Sergeant Pepper, like lovely Rita is, is, is great. Um, be, for the benefit of Mr. Kite is like, that's, those are the songs that make that album for me. Not the ones that are super well known. Like they're still really good. Um, but you don't really get to see the true genius of what the Beatles were doing without the deep cuts. So they, they suffer a lot from one. We're very distant from the Beatles at this point from the, what from the height of Beatlemania. Um, so obviously what's going to remain is like the big hits, the ones that everybody's going to put on class, like compilation albums. So you're, everybody's just going to assume that's what they are. And nobody's going to listen to the deep cuts anymore. So I'm really, really happy to dig into deep cuts again with somebody because I think secretly I've always wanted to do this yeah, and have I, this conversation. Honestly, I, I needed, I needed the push. I needed to like, I needed you to show me something. And then like, if I, if I went down this rabbit hole by myself, I think I'd listen to like two albums and I'd be like, okay, I kind of get it. But yeah, if we're going to take five weeks and really dig in, I think I'm, I'm really excited to take that journey because yeah, I trying to like, shuffle a compilation you just don't get the same feel you would as listening to an album through all the way because then i wouldn't have found my favorite beatles song so far yeah you know and i, I mean i talk about it all the time but you don't you have to listen to albums front to back because they tell a story in the way they're constructed i mean it's the reason adele didn't put her shit on spotify forever because she's like i put so much effort into putting these songs in a specific order how dare you make the the default option random and i know that 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 is a direct shot across your bow deal because that's how you like to listen to stuff but i think especially for bands back in like this time of music they had to think so much about album construction because that's all you had like you did you couldn't release singles here and there on spotify 
this was your album. This is how you wanted people to experience your music. So you really had to think about how it was constructed. And because I did a deep, I did, I, I listened to the entire Beatles discography a couple years ago. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take like a week and just listen to every Beatles song ever. And I listened to them in order. Um, and it was great because it made me really appreciate their journey that they went on. Um, and listening to the albums front to back really helps you appreciate that as well, because especially an album like this, where you can feel that push and pull. Um, I don't know. The Beatles are an interesting story for sure. Oh, for sure. You want to get into songs of the show? Yes, I would love to. How about you go first? Okay. Uh, mine is can't forget by no pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just going to keep beating down the door of no pressure because every time they put out a song, it's like my new favorite pop punk song. Yeah. And it's a side project. It's just so it's so cool to hear him get back to his roots and like get into hardcore because there's a hardcore artist who like comes in and screams and it got me down the rabbit hole. So I can really appreciate someone like getting into a genre and just like digging their heels in because I've been getting into hardcore a lot recently and I I sent you guys a couple links in the group chat of just like I, there might be something in here for everyone and I just didn't know. It's just like mm -hmm. a facet of music that like is super self-contained and like you have to be in that world to really understand it. So I uh, can't forget by no pressure is my favorite right now. Yeah, it's really good. I, I when I listened to it on the way uh, to the bar after work, um, <laughs> uh, I was like, Oh shit. Yeah. Cause I remember you, you've showed me this band a couple of times. I was like, yeah, it's cool. This was like the first one I really, really dug. And this, this is cause this is more in my wheelhouse, like the more hardcore wheelhouse um and so i was really it's a good blend of like pop punk and hardcore and yeah i just i really dug it man so uh i will definitely be listening to that again mm -hmm. so I'll give it a more like in-depth listen rather than just kind of mindlessly driving and listening to it um my song of the show is naturally by alan stone and you may have seen this guy on tiktok he's he's a goofy looking guy with a bunch of space between all of his teeth um but his fucking voice dude is incredible and I texted you when I put it on there. I was like, hey, I put my song on the show on the list. It's be careful because it's sexy or sexual is what I said. It's a, it's a takedown song. It 100% is. Um, I mean, it's talking about um, what your pedals are beautiful naturally. And this guy, he does he does like all these little, those little soul singer tricks. The whoa, 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 whoa. It's like the shit like, ah, oh, it's so fucking good, dude. Um, I, I, I'm really into soul music right now. Um, I've been listening to more jazz, obviously. So um, I don't know. I'm just turning into an old black man, apparently. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, I'm okay with it, man. It's just, this is the shit that I love. Um, it, I don't know. I could listen. This guy's voice is a force. I, you know, I, hopefully you'll hear more of him because he is super, super talented. Yeah, it's, this is one of the few times you and I have both listened to each other's songs. So I, <laughs> I was really into this song. I couldn't believe it was a live song too. Yeah. It's a live recording of a scraggly white dude. <laughs> Who says white people can't have soul? Nah, this guy's got, he's got it. This guy can sing for sure. Uh, so do you know what album you're doing next week? Magical mystery tour is what we're doing. Um, it's low-key one of my it's low-key probably my second or third favorite Beatles album. Um it's so fucking wacky, dude. It's it's so goofy that you can't help but laugh. 
Um, and I think it came out after Sergeant Pepper that year. I could be wrong about it. I think it came out in the later part of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, for some reason, I, I retained that information. <laughs> um, it's just so goofy. I, I, I think it's they were able to do the album they finally always wanted to do in Sergeant Pepper. And then Magical Mystery Tour feels like the after party where they're just doing a shitload of drugs and having fun. Uh, so it's always been a, like a low key favorite of mine because it's, there's no pressure in this album to be good. It's just, this is just goofy. This feels like, like cut album tracks, like our cut studio tracks. Like it's like when they're messed around in between, like recording a serious album, that's how magical mystery tour came to be. Like the B sides of Sgt. Pepper or something. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like in, you know, the, the opening track, um, the magical mystery tour is hoping to take you away. It's just like, yeah, like we're hoping to kind of just let's just take you away on this weird journey with us. It's I don't know. I love Magical Mystery Tour. Hell yeah. I can't wait to do it. Yep. It's 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 weird, too, because they, you can tell they're starting to break out of the poppiness because it's about the same length, but it's three songs songs shorter. So some of the, the songs are getting a little bit longer. And they're start, starting to care less and less about getting radio singles because I, I don't know if they stopped touring already at this point, but. They just didn't give a shit anymore. (laughs) Well, hell yeah. Uh, So that'll be it. Yeah, that's it. Thanks for listening, guys. Heck yeah. Uh, You want to go through all the social medias? Yeah. uh, Twitter is at OffCliff. Instagram is at OffTheBeatenCliff. If you have uh, ideas for Beatles content you want us to do, if you guys want us to do some Beatles movies. Did you say Eagles? Beatles. Beatles. Okay. Sorry. I think I... my, My... pubescent voice uh, might have skipped a, a beat there um <laughs> but yeah if you guys want us to do beatles movies if you want us to do some extra stuff with the beatles uh let us know because we're all in yeah I, w- I definitely want to do at least one of the beatles movies um i think i told you my pick would be yellow submarine just because i think it is the best one mm-hmm. um even though they're not necessarily they're not truly in it in it um either that or help because help is just fucking hilarious but um I would love to do just like a movie review. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe we'll, if we have the time, we might do some video stuff with it because I think it would be fun. Um, yeah. But uh, if you guys have any suggestions or if you're not digging Beatles month, uh, just sit tight. We, we're only doing it for five weeks. Um, let us know <laughs> on uh, email as well, off the beaten cleft at gmail.com. Yep. I think um, we forgot how to end the show. No. Yep. <laughs> And it's just you and me. Like, where's everybody at? (laughs) But uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.